This presentation is from Design Research 2017, held in Sydney. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. Our next talk is from Paul, someone I actually uh, get to work with day in and day out, which is a privilege for me. Um, Paul uh, has a degree in chemical engineering, which makes his degree the second least relevant degree, I think, <laughs> in our company, because mine's in applied mathematics. So I get the least relevant. Paul's is right up there with it. Um, but he's been doing uh, research and social and design research for over 15 years uh, and is great at it. And he's going to share some of his techniques around interviewing today with us. Please join me in welcoming Paul to the stage. Okay, um, hopefully we're, we're on. Great. So what I'm going to take you through today is some heuristics uh, for uh, a more artful interview, if you like. So it's not meant to be a prescription, they're just kind of like guidelines, so take them in, in that spirit um, and, and build on them, I suppose, is, is the key there. One of the things I wanted to, to start off with before getting into those is the situation that you find yourselves in with, uh, with interviews is, you know, what do I do? What's the first thing that I should be doing when I, when I go in there? Where should I sit? Who should I talk to first? It's those kinds of, kinds of things. So I'm going to play you a little clip. We're going to go to the movies now. And um, we're going to be... Slight mic adjustment for Paul. Oops, I need some audio before I do that. All right. <laughs> so I think the point about that one is that um, <laughs> you're kind of trying to work out what to do. And the answer is you, you do what, what feels right. You do what, what you plan to do. You do everything, basically. You try and do everything. So let's work through some of the heuristics for that. The first one that I wanted to talk about is that some of the best advice I got was an interview is really just a conversation. And that's kind of what we were looking at earlier on as well, too. It's just a, it's just a conversation. But one of the frames that I find useful is uh, the Jahari window, which is basically a model for, for communication. And we can spend a lot of time in our interviews in that open quadrant, so things that people are willing to share, things that we might already know. But really what we want to also uncover is some of those other quadrants as well. So if we look down, what are, what's the um, participant, if you like, what are they maybe a little reluctant to share, how might we start to draw some of those things out from them? And so we use things like projective techniques to try and uncover what some of those things that they might be um, less than willing to share, at least initially, with us. Um, the other area, the blind quadrant, which is things that the participant might not be even aware of that they're doing. And so we can use techniques like showing them back film of themselves, talking about something, sharing with them the things that they said, and, and having inquiry in and around those. And then there's our, our little unknown quadrant, which is kind of like that journey of shared discovery, where we can actually be sharing hypotheses that we have with participants and exploring those things together. And through that, we start to build uh, an even deeper level of understanding. I think, key, we've talked a lot about this today, and, and it, it's really something that, that can't be talked enough about. It's the idea of empathy. And I really like this quote about acquiring feelings. That's, that's really what it's, what it's about. Um, the difficult thing, though, is that it's, we're trying to feel what it's like to be another person. We're never really going to get there. 
but it's through the pursuit of that that we're actually going to be able to start to understand more deeply what somebody's worldview is about and what are the challenges that they face. So one of my favourite questions is, what's life like for you? It's a really simple question. It's questions about people's hopes, their dreams, their fears, their anxieties, their desires, their aspirations. When was the last time you asked a user, what is it that that you're dreaming about? What, What are you fearful of? What's the thing that's stopping you from doing the thing that you're doing? Okay? Talking about those emotions, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later, that's a really key area where we can start to build in some of that sense of what it really means. Here's a slightly hairier um, version of me um, in some work with some pharmacists and then just trying to understand, I suppose, what it's like for some of the services that they might be providing out of that, out of that area. So, thank goodness for that. It's gone. Um, the other area that I wanted to talk about was this idea of dialogic exchange. And by that, we're actually... What we're meaning here is we're creating space, if you like, for uh, ourselves and also our, for our participants to explore. So what the, the future, if you like, could, could be like. So building on one another. It's like jazz, you know, you spark off each other. You said this. Could you mean this? This is a thing that you said. What's that all about? Tell me, tell me a little bit more about that. So it's through that building that we start to, to break through some of those, those new horizons, if you like, that can further the work that we're doing. Um, a shared understanding. It's really active. It's about understanding what you're bringing to the interview, but it's also what they're wanting to share with you as well too. Um, some great questions that can kind of help with that is, it's, you know, tell me about, about your life and what's, what's going on for you. And it's also about displacing the things that they say um, in, in interviews as well too. So uh, it's not just echoing what somebody says to you, it's actually repeating back to someone but displacing it slightly, elaborating on it so you can actually start to build your understanding and help them dig into further a little bit more about what, what it is that they're trying to tell you. Okay. This is um, an example for some work that we did with uh, a university around the student experience and it's one of the projective techniques that I mentioned uh, earlier on where we actually just asked them to bring along to the session Choose any image you like. Tell me what the experience for you at university has been about. So if, when you're starting university, I'm sure we've all had that, that feeling of just being overwhelmed. And that's certainly something that this person was talking to us about. And you can see, I think, in the, in the photograph that they've chosen as well that that's part of it. But the really interesting part of this is, is the isolation that the person went on to talk about. And so that sense of having people all around you but still feeling quite alone. Okay, And the lovely thing about that is that you're actually able to start to understand what is it about your experience that makes you feel that sense of being overwhelmed, of being isolated. Let's dig into that. Let's create a space for us to be able to talk that, talk about that. And the image certainly creates that space and enables that. The idea of a subjunctive mood is, is a, a really nice one as well too. And again, that's the idea of we're actually should be trying to uh, analyse and interpret on the run. So in basically formulate hypotheses of, of what's happening in the experience or the interaction that you're researching and exploring those hypotheses. It's the idea that we shouldn't necessarily be uh, using the same guide that we had at the end of the research that we had at the start. 
So at the end, I like to think that I've got maybe about five or six hypotheses which forms the basis of the guide, and they're the hypotheses that I'm going to explore with the participant. Because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to further my understanding of what it is about, and I'm hoping to build uh, an understanding, a shared one as well. So it's the idea that we're exploring hypotheticals. So phrases like, perhaps, what if it was like this? Could it be like this? These are all good questions. Or one of my favourites, what do you reckon? So for, for those of you not from Australia, that's all one word. You can spell it, what do you reckon? <laughs> Um, what I'm going to show you is a, a short film um, from uh, some work that we did with uh, a, a number of participants. It was a longitudinal one. We spent a, a fair degree of, of time with them. Um, and what you'll see through, although you won't necessarily hear the questions, but what we've been able to establish in the clip is this subjunctive mood. So you'll start to hear some of the analogies. So what could it be like? Give me an example from another part of your life that fits with what you're experiencing and tell us about that. So. God's pressuring me to buy something, it's hard for me to stand up for myself. So a great example of, of what could it be like? What could this experience be like? And you're taking things from, you know, the, the idea of liquid expectations. We change our expectations of, of buying something like a house or something like that based on other experiences that we're, we're purchasing and, and borrowing from those. And so the subjunctive mood helps create those opportunities for participants to share some of those um, analogues, if you like, that help us understand what might be the opportunities in the areas that we're digging into. The other frame that I'll, I like to, to, to look at is, is the idea of um, starting broad and then con converging. And I think too often we spend a lot of time in that lower part of it, which is you know, the world of the client or the world of the interaction or the experience. And if we spend too much time there, then basically we'll, we, we start to look at things that let's make it you know, just that little bit better or you know, less worse than, than what it was. What can be more interesting is start to explore the, the, the layers above that, so the theme, if you like. So I'm just not going to talk to you about the idea of... Um, of of your uh, mobile device, I'm going to talk to you about what communication means or what connection means. It's starting to talk about some of those themes, if you like. And then more importantly, if we start to dive into that, the person's world and we start off in that area, we can start to understand some of those hopes, those fears, those desires, those aspirations that they have. And in that way, we can start to form the link between what we're offering up in an experience or an interaction with the theme, with how that starts to connect into people's lives. And that's where some of that magic happens. Um, just an example here, um, some uh, work that I did in um, treatment for depression. We're working with psychiatrists. And just some really basic questions around what's life like for you as a psychiatrist? I'm not even going to talk to you about depression to start off with. I just want to understand what your life's about as a psychiatrist. What's it like working as a psychiatrist? I don't know, I'm not a psychiatrist. Tell me all about it. What's that like for you? Okay. So the tendency is to jump straight into what, de what treatment for depression is like or what depression's about or jump into the medication or the service that you're looking for in that space. But let's start layers above that because that can start to unlock areas as well too. So. The W questions, really important. That's those open questions that we spoke a little bit about. So, you know, show me what happens. You know, what's it about for you? 
kind of where, where does that go on? So give me some, some demonstrations. Take me through that process. Show me what that's like. Just don't tell me about it. I try and avoid the use why, the, the asking people why, because I think that that starts to, um, I suppose people start to get into that space of trying to explain what it is that they do rather than actually what it is that they do. So we kind of try and avoid that, that question a little bit. So it's the idea of getting them to show you what it's about rather than just telling you why that they might be doing it. Um, and go off script. I think that's, you know, you never know where these things can quite, can quite lead you in terms of the questions. So you can find yourself when you're researching farmers trying to help them milk cows, um, give birth to other animals, those kinds of things. It's those experiences that can, you know, are not only enjoyable, but start to tell you a little bit more about what their life's like. The idea of laddering to the motivation. So what is it about the things that people are doing? What's driving their behaviour? And this, again, comes back to some of those emotions, those what are, what's, what's not being met for them, what need is, is not being met, what are their desires, what are they aspiring to when they're using a particular product or, or, or having a particular experience. And it's then kind of digging into that a little bit more and quite often we use this technique in analysis, but I don't think we use it enough, as enough as we should when we're doing interviews as well. So tell me a little bit more about that. That's, that's a great question to use. Just please tell me a little bit more about that. So it's the idea of just digging into it a little bit more. And so a, a nice little frame here, again, that you can use for analysis, but as I said, we can use it in interviews as well. It's just getting underneath what, what that behaviour is all about for somebody. An example here, again, I come back to the, um, the use of particular medications for depression and why people might be doing them, uh, might be using them in particular circumstances. And one of the things here is quite clearly the uh, side effects of some of the, of the medications that were being used were causing issues for, uh, for some of the people that were taking them. And the idea of them feeling a little... Um, spaced out was, yes, it's making me better, I'm not as depressed as I was or I'm not experiencing much, as much depression as I did, um, but it's just me making me feel a little bit off. And so we came up with this idea of basically it's just, I just really want to feel like you know, who I was before I started to experience that particular condition. <laughs> and here's some of the communication that, that came out as a result of some of that work as well too. So the idea of just feeling like um, themselves again. I think um, observation is, is, is a really key part of, of what we do. Um, and again, that's the idea of just sitting back, spending time with people, observing what they're doing, and then capturing that as well too. And the idea of using um, or trying to understand body language and gestures and the power of silence to create tension is a really key thing as well. We kind of we try and rush sometimes to fill a void in the conversation, but it's quite often in that, that moment of pause that somebody can start to reveal something or somebody that they might not have had a chance to think about it in that way before, so they're collecting their thoughts. And the idea of a shared discovery, and I, I really like this idea of being able to have multiple sessions with, with people so you can actually interview them, find out a little bit more about that and then play some of that back to them, either through some film like I just showed you or even just telling them, you said this, what did you actually mean by that? And there's this lovely idea of actually having, rather than us as researchers interpreting what people have said or what they've shown us, but actually getting them to tell us about what it is that they did. 
Okay, so the idea of um, Dave Snowden talks about distributed cognition where you're actually getting people to layer the meanings for you because they know for themselves why they might have been doing things or they might not have, but it's that chance to explore that together is where we can start to come up with some really interesting things. Um, I love this shot. This is, again, from the experience stuff that we did with, with the university. And um, this is basically one of the issues we talked about. How do we start to overcome some of those feelings of isolation? Not connected with anyone. They're connecting. They're just doing it in a different way. So it's through that that you're able to start to call some of this out and explore what might that digital connection look like for, for some of the students. Being comfortably uncomfortable. Um, it's probably a terrible phrase in the way that I've worded it, but it's the idea of just um, going out there and just feeling, you know, this, I'm not quite sure about this. That's okay. It's really important that that's okay because it's through that emotion that we start to uncover why it is that people do certain things. And the questions that we have around that, you know, how does it make you feel? How does it make you feel? It's a really important question. The most common answer I get back is, oh, good. Good's not a feeling. You need to unpack that. You need to understand what that's all about. Give me some more words to tell me what it's about for you. Getting real. So the idea of, we talked earlier on, I think, about choosing the right people. We've talked today about using influencers as well, um, interviewing people together. So some really interesting conversations when you get patients in the room with physicians, with, with, other, with support groups, those types of, of, of groups can actually be um, as helpful as if you're doing the, the individual sessions as well. Um, confessions, the secret diary, you know, getting people to fill out things as well. There's lots of great um, autoethnography tools that are out there that can help people with that. Um, and the other one that I like is just after the show, which is basically I'm going to actively show you that I'm turning off the recording device and let's have a talk. All those things that you might have been holding back, okay, we can relax now, it's not on, right? Let's talk, that's that kind of thing. Yeah. This was some research that we did where the participant was actually um, Amy and her husband inserted himself into the research. That's fine. I love it. <laughs> Happy to, to do that. Because it was the decisions that they were making together that was actually important. And so understanding those decisions that they were making together was a, a, an integral part of the research. Didn't know it at the time. Should have, maybe. But you go with it, right? So it's kind of, where's this leading us? You can go off script. Yeah, come in. Let's talk about it. Not sure about the light, the lighting and the setup and everything, but we kind of got used to that. Um, here's some uh, secret diary confessional stuff. <laughs> this is uh, an, an angry young man <laughs> not being able to test drive the, the sports car that he wanted to, to test drive. I've taken off the, the branding there. It's not, it's not the one that you see there. <laughs> Um, this is from an app, uh, an app called Experience Fellow where they can actually record their journey as they're going through it and they can post photographs of it. You see the location where they were and they can give a rating for the experience. I think that's the lowest one you can do. Maybe they should do lower, lower, lower scores <laughs> than that. Anyway. 
Um, so that's about it from me. So 10 fast and um, simple, I think, heuristics that you can actually use, and I hope that they've been, uh, they've been useful for you. Um, so as I said, they are just guidelines, and it's really your interviews are what you make them to be, and that's, that's a really important part of it. So, And just before I go, just a, a quick little um, advert for some research and journey mapping workshops that we're doing at, at MELD. Um, if you want to know a little more about research, um, there's a, a couple of days in May that we're doing those, so apologies for the, the sales pitch, but just a, if, you, if you do want a little bit more. So, but most importantly, have fun. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from Design Research 2017. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.